is not. Not a moment too soon as far as I'm concerned. Welcome back to Not in the Mood. I'm your host, Daryl Moody. We're going to talk about the election coming up next week. We're also going to talk about voting, why it's very important for you to vote, but only if you understand the issues. I've got a fairly hot take when it comes to voting. Some might consider it controversial, but in my opinion, it's going to be best for the country. So every year there's, you know, this massive Herculean effort to get out to vote. Everybody, there's voter registration drives. Everybody wants everybody to vote. Vote, 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 vote. Selection year, everybody talks about votes. Celebrities wear shirts that wear votes. Everybody's talking about voting. Vote, 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 vote. That's fine and good if you're educated on the issues. That's fine and good if you understand the issues. That's fine and good if you're going to vote intelligently. I would caution you, though, If you don't understand the issues, if you're not educated on the world and the way it is right now, I think you're better off sitting this one out. And here's why. The world's on fire because we've got uneducated, ignorant people making important decisions. And I don't think it benefits us as a country or a society to continue to allow stupid people to make important decisions. So if you haven't voted yet and you don't know anything about what's going on in the world or how you feel about it, do us all a favor. Stay home. Educate yourself. Read up. Learn some of the issues. And then in two years, vote. And then two years after that, in the next presidential election, then weigh in. But I just don't think it benefits us as a country to have ignorant people out there voting in election after election based on whatever misinformation they've found out there, if they've even read it. So I know that may be controversial to some, but I feel pretty strongly that stupid people shouldn't vote. Okay? But let's talk about the folks who should be voting. The folks who do understand the issues, have read up, done the research that they need, and they are ready to vote. There's a lot at stake in this election, whether you believe this is a battle for the soul of the nation or whether you want four more years of the current administration. That's your choice. That's up to you. I'm not going to tell you which way to vote, one way or the other. That's one thing that you will not get here on Not in the Mood. I'm not going to tell you how to vote or who you should vote for. We're not endorsing candidates, that sort of thing. I think there are bad actors on both sides of the aisle. I think there are lawmakers on both sides of the aisle who go to Washington, D.C. for the right reasons, who go to serve their constituents and do a fine job. Unfortunately, they don't make the news, and they usually get voted out pretty quickly. But let's get back to you and me and our collective responsibility to vote. I've got two guests that are going to join us this week. First is Brad Ashwell with the group All Voting is Local. He's the state director of that organization. Our second guest is going to be Judith Brown DNS. She is the executive director of the Advancement Project National. That's another group that focuses on young voters of color. So we're going to talk about kind of the election by and large and some of the issues at play leading into Tuesday's general election first. And then we'll talk about uh, motivating young voters of color and how do we get those folks to come out to the polls. Uh, Judith has some very interesting insights about that that we're going to talk to her about. But first, let's go to Brad Ashwell with his group, All Voting is Local. And first, let's let him tell us what exactly All Voting Local is. 
While voting is local, works to eliminate discriminatory barriers to voting before um, election day, before it becomes a big fight, before it becomes a big problem that disenfranchises voters. So um, we're, we're really um, you know, more than uh, working lawsuits and that kind of thing. We, we try to work with administrators to solve issues well in advance of election day. At this point, we're just trying to make sure everything runs as smoothly as possible and then people know what they need to do to make sure their vote counts. All right. So, so you know, what's your take on early voting? Well, I mean, the good news is that people are voting early. I mean, there's, there, you know, over 4 million people have already voted in the state. Um, I think you've had 29% of the turnout already in, in Orange County. So, um, you know, voters are turning out in droves. That's exactly what we want to see. We want to see people voting early, voting by mail uh, early. Uh, just we don't want to see people waiting until Election Day when it's just sort of unpredictable. All sorts of issues could pop up. And with COVID, you know, it presents a health risk if you have more people crowded in a space or waiting in line, um, you know, at the same time. So we, we really uh, are hoping voters take advantage of early voting and disperse um, the crowds. So early voting is nothing new here in Florida. We've had it for, you know, approaching 20 years. Uh, why do you think we are seeing such record numbers now? Well, you know, I think I think a lot of it's COVID. You know, COVID nineteen has people scared about. Uh, you know, I think I think one. You know, we're seeing. Uh, you know, it's, it's a contentious election. We have some real choices between the candidates, and I think people want to make sure they get out and vote, whatever side they're on, um, which is great. And then I think COVID is making people weary of voting on election day. I think a lot of people have been planning on voting by mail or voting earlier, and they just weren't sure. There's been a lot of questions about USPS, which I think has made people lean a little more towards voting early. And I think you know, voting in person has certain advantages. You know, people want to see that they're handing their ballot to somebody that's going in the counter, is going in the tabulator. Uh, there's a certain confidence that comes with that. Um, at the same time, we've been very strong advocates for voting by mail and, and you know, requesting the ballots earlier. And, and you know, you know, drop boxes are a great options. So um, you know, people have a lot of a lot of options if they don't wait. The problem is when people wait till the last minute. Uh, any advice for folks heading to the polls? Maybe something they should look out for, that kind of thing? Yeah, I mean, so one, you know, we're, we're a part of the nonpartisan election protection network. Um, and voters, they, they experience anything fishy, any anything that smells like voter intimidation, anything that they don't think seems right at the polls, they should report that to 866-R-VOTE. Um, but, you know, just to make sure the process runs smoothly, it, you know, filling out the sample ballot is a good start. You know, that way you're, you're not spending an inordinate amount of time figuring out the, the ballot initiative amendments at the end and that sort of thing. The down the ballot races in the poll place, figure that out at home with the sample ballot, bring it with you, and it'll make the process run smoothly. Um, you know, making sure you have PPE and that you can vote safely, you know, your mask, um, a, your own pin if you want. Um, and then, you know, some some voting sites have longer lines. So um, one, one of the things that I don't think a lot of people realize is that they can go to the Supervisor of Elections website and where the early vote sites are listed, it tells you how long the wait time is. And the great thing about early voting is that you can, um, you know, you can vote at any early voting site. You don't have to go to your precinct like you do on Election Day. So you can look at the site that has 15, a 15 minute wait. You can look at the site that has a three hour wait which hopefully none of them do, but you know, we did have some problems with that in Orange and a lot of other counties. Um, so you can pick the, the site that, that you know, doesn't have a line and go there. And, and um, I don't think a lot of people realize that. 
Let's talk about voting uh, irregularities. Do you guys have poll watchers, that sort of thing? Is there anything that you're looking out for, anything you're advising voters to watch out for? Yeah, I mean, we're, we're really weary of people who, you know, Florida has a no solicitations at 150 feet, so there shouldn't be people bothering voters within 150 feet of the door. But this uh, election cycle, we've already seen a lot of that, just people, um, you know, just overzealous campaigners and people blaring loud music and people confronting voters. So, you know, any anything like that that voters experience, they really should report it. Um, and, you know, hopefully the supervisors will deal with it appropriately and not excessively because that could be its own problem. If they, you know, immediately call in the police and the police scare voters because, you know, uniformed officers at a polling site does intimidate some voters. So um, I think that's, you know, a big thing we're looking out for. And then, um, and then, you know, I think we're trying to be conscious not to blow it out of proportion, too, because you know, a certain amount of that happens every cycle. And there's a little bit of a tinderbox right now. And people are, are so on guard for that to happen that if you blow it out of proportion, it could create its own problem, and discourage people from voting. So, you know, we really, we really want to see people uh, make sure their you know their voice is counted that their vote counts and um, I think the wait times have been probably the biggest problem we've seen in a lot of counties so far during early voting. You know, the website went down in uh, Orange the first day and in a couple other counties as well, uh, but it looks like that's been taken care of. Um, yeah, I mean I, th- I think those are sort of the main big bucket issues. Of course, with all of the COVID stuff in the news, voting by mail has been a very popular option for a lot of folks who don't want to go in the polls in person and uh, run the risk of contracting the virus. So Brad had some thoughts on that before we wrapped up our interview. Well, I think it's real important that people know that they have the option of using drop boxes that, you know, as we get closer and there are questions about USPS, they need to know that every early voting site, every uh, main office, every branch office has a drop box. They can take their early vote. I mean, I'm sorry, their vote by mail ballot and drop it off. They don't have to put it in the mail. Whether they put it in the mail or drop it in a Dropbox, they can they can track that on the website. If you go to the Orange County Supervisor of Election site, right at the top, it has a ballot tracking link. And you can see where it is in the process and make sure it goes all the way through. And you can call if you think there might be a problem. Uh, the other thing that I, I know um, is a problem right now in Orange County is that they're receiving a lot of vote-by-mail ballots with signature issues. Um, so... You know, one is if you're signing your, I mean, you, you need to sign your envelope for your vote by mail ballot for it to count, but you need to make sure it matches what they're going to have on file. Most likely that's whatever you um, use to sign your driver's license. So, you know, we're recommending that people look at their license, how they sign that and sign the ballot the same way. Florida also has a cure process where the supervisor has to contact you if there's a problem. I think the problem they're having is they're trying to contact people and they're not hearing back from them. And, um, so, so, you know, keep your eye out. And if you hear from the supervisor of elections that there's a problem in your ballot, you need to take care of it immediately. Um, you know, although you, you have until the second day after the election at five o'clock to cure or fix any problems. So, again, the earlier you vote, the longer you have to correct any problems. So those are some things that you and I should be looking at as we head to the polls on Tuesday, or if you do choose to vote by mail, some things you might want to think about before submitting your ballot. Let's talk now about courting voters, particularly young voters of color. My second guest this week is Judith Brown Dennis. She's the executive director of Advancement Project National. Uh, We're going to talk to her about her organization and what they do. 
Advancement Project is a national racial justice organization that supports grassroots organizations in building an inclusive democracy. And you are joining us today to talk about young voters and some of the issues that are important to young voters and how to drive uh, young voters to the polls. So let's talk about kind of the environment in which we find ourselves this year in 2020. Uh, what are some of the uh, and, and a few jump to mind or come to mind immediately. Mm -hmm. But uh, talk to me about some of the most important issues to young voters uh, heading into this election. Young voters of color, um, 18 to 24, are highly motivated to participate in this election. They are concerned with what many of us are concerned about. Top of mind is COVID. They are both concerned about um, the death and illness that they have seen around them. Uh, For Asian young Uh, voters of color, they are concerned about the discrimination they have experienced as a result of uh, COVID and the kind of messaging that has been out there about Asian people and Chinese in particular. Uh, Number two is they're concerned about racial discrimination. And number three is they're concerned about police brutality. For many of young voters of color, this election is not about the candidates, but it's about the issues. And so that is what what is motivating them. They are the same young people who have taken to the streets uh, around some of the um, killings of uh, black people by police. And now they want to see their power in in the booth, the voting booth. And typically when you're talking about this particular sect of voters, young uh, people of color, young minorities, uh, they're not a political force in this country. What, what do you think is different this year? Well, you know, actually, I think young voters of color have been highly motivated. I mean, we've seen record turnout in uh, 2008 and 2012 of young voters of color. And so uh, we're going to see it again. And, you know, this is a generation that I would consider to be the protest generation, right? They are the young people who may have, as a child, gone to their first Uh, their first protest when Trayvon Martin was killed. They may have been at one of the protests around Ferguson as a child also, but now they have taken to the streets on a range of things, everything from immigration to the march for our lives to uh, climate justice. And now they are are still protesting around um, police violence. And so for many of them, they understand what is at stake in this election. Um, You know, young people have always been at the forefront of our country in in changing and kind of revolutionizing this country from even back in the 60s um, during the civil rights movement. And so I think this generation is is no different. Um, They are ready and they want to see that they actually do have power. And there are 75 percent of them who we polled said the country is heading in the wrong direction. And so they want to correct that. And if 75 percent feel that way and the advancement project's stance is that young people of color are broadly skeptical of the nation's political system, how does the level of activism seen in this generation, how does that translate to actually going to the booth and voting? Well, for young people of color, they they understand they're motivated to change. They're a little worried about how to vote um, because voting is different this year. And, And many of them are first time voters. And so there's some confusion about the mail in votes, et cetera. And so what Advancement Project has done is that we have on our website, advancementproject.org slash vote. Uh, information for young voters to understand the process of voting. Again, this is a generation that's used to having 
food dropped off at their door. They can pay their bills on their phone. And so instead, they're they're now engaging in a voting process that seems archaic to them. And so um, so they're worried about whether or not they're going to do it right, but they want to do it. And so for organizations like Advancement Project, we want to make sure that they are equipped with knowing how to actually vote. So with, with the exception of, of, of having that website, talk to me about some of that effort. What are you guys doing to educate young voters? So in addition to our website, advancementproject.org slash vote, we are also doing ads on social media. Uh, so on Instagram, on Facebook, targeting young voters of color, giving them the information that they need. We also have a youth uh, advisory committee, and those young people have been helping us tweak some of our messaging, but we've also trained them up to be spokespeople so that they can use their social media platforms and also encouraging them to reach out to other young people. So we know that they um, they aggregate and live on social media. I have an 18-year-old. I understand that. Um, she's always looking down at her phone. So we've gone to um, doing ads on some of the websites that they frequent. Um, We also have a video that we have produced that is targeting young voters of color that we've put on social media, that's on YouTube and other channels, so that we can encourage them and also connect for them the, the power that they have had in the streets protesting to the power that they can have in um, in their uh, in their booth, their voting booth, but then also that it doesn't just stop there because the thing that would let them down is if they went to vote and they saw no change. So it's also understanding that this democracy that we have and engagement in our democracy is more than protest and voting, but it's then who did we elect and how do we hold them accountable? You know, we talk about social media uh, on the podcast and its impact on our lives a lot. And you mentioned that that the Advancement Project has has purchased advertising on social media platforms. When these young people, these young voters are are essentially, you know, doing their own information gathering and trying to prepare themselves as best they can to vote, where are they getting their information? Um, so they get it, a lot of them get it from other friends. Um, they do get it from some organizations that they look to, but they're looking at trusted messengers, right? So they, they look, some of them do look at influencers, celebrities and athletes. Um, but many of them get it from their friends. It's interesting. My daughter who just started college, she's a freshman in college down in New Orleans. One of the things that their school did was that all of, uh, the athletes, they want all of the teams to have a hundred percent voting record. So both not only register, but they want you to vote. And so the school has been really encouraging. We've also seen young people on other campuses where the colleges have actually done marches and parades to the polls so that young people can go vote together because they also want to see it as a community event so that they can feel the power in the collectiveness of it all. So um, so that's where they find it from their friends. They find it on social media, athletes, entertainers and artists. Um, and then they go to particular websites um, where they are getting their news, um, which may not be traditional places to get news like TMZ, uh, but those are the places where they where they actually do get information. And so for us, what's important is going to where they are, not being judgmental about it, but just tuning in where they are tuning in. And you had mentioned record turnout in 2008 and 2012. Here we are eight years later. You've got your ear to the ground with this stuff. What kind of turnout are you expecting in the general election next week? 
Well, the numbers are looking good so far. Um, you know, Americans are going to the polls in, in huge numbers, and they are early voting, and they are doing the mail-in ballots. Um, I think by the time we um, get to November 3rd that we will see historic turnout. Um, I think people are highly motivated. We understand. Americans understand what is at stake. Um, we've had too much death in this country due to COVID, and people want to make sure that they keep their health care, that they um, that they are safe, that their families are safe, that their communities are safe, um, and they want change. And so I think we we're going to see it. I'm here in Florida. Um, you know, steady pace of people. There are a lot of outstanding um, mail-in ballots still, um, but the groups here on the ground are reaching out to people both on on texting and robocalls, et cetera, to make sure that people get those votes in and they put them in the drop boxes or they show up to the polling place. So I think I think people are, are ready for this. I mean, you know, this is the other thing is we're voting in a pandemic. So there hasn't been a, a lot of other things to do but to tune into this election. So um, so I think we're going to we're going to see a pretty big turnout this year. I think she's right. If you look at the early voting numbers and you look at the enthusiasm among voters, uh, this is a really important election. I think a lot of people get that. And you're going to see that motivation alone drive a lot of people to the polls. But like I said, to start, if you don't know the issues, do us all a favor. Sit this one out. If you own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles and have an auto warranty about to expire or no warranty coverage at all, listen up. CarShield has a low-cost, month-to-month vehicle protection plan that covers more parts than ever. Visit carshield.com audio to find out how you could pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs. Drivers who activate this vehicle protection today will also receive free roadside assistance, free towing, and car rental options at no additional cost. Get your free quote today at carshield.com audio. That's carshield.com audio.